In thinking about our gospel story this week, one thing occurred to me which had never really occurred to me before. The Pharisee was right. That woman had no business being in his house. He was having a dinner party, and this woman whom he hadn't invited showed up and began harassing one of his guests, and all of that in addition to the fact that she was a sinner. We don't know how bad or exactly what her sins were, but it was enough to at least be well known, such that she was a notoriously sinful person. So the Pharisee was right. She didn't have any business being there in his house, and the Pharisee was committed to upholding what was right. The woman needed to change her ways, and maybe in some large ways, uh, before she showed up at the Pharisee's house. The Pharisee was holding this woman accountable for her actions, saying, that's not who we are. We don't behave the way you have been behaving. God has given us, the people of Israel, a way of life. And in that way of life, the harm which you've been causing yourself and others does not fit. You need to change your ways and become one of us again. The Pharisee wanted her to change and to live as a Jew before he would have her in his house. And you'll notice that Jesus doesn't really disagree that the woman was a sinner. Jesus even said she had many sins. And yet, rather than hold her to task for her sins, rather than be concerned with doing what was right, Jesus decided to forgive her. The way of Jesus is the way of love and forgiveness. Jesus knew she wanted to repent, knew she wanted to change her ways, and so he had no problem forgiving her. He wasn't concerned with justifying himself or his actions. He wasn't concerned with being right, like the Pharisee was. Jesus was only concerned about doing what was right for the woman. Now the Pharisee might have said, but wait, Jesus, that woman doesn't deserve to be forgiven. And Jesus would have probably said, that's right, you got it. That's the point. We don't forgive people because we deserve, they deserve it. We forgive people out of love. If we wait to forgive a person until that person deserves it, then we're just waiting until whatever penalty they owe us has been paid, which isn't practicing forgiveness. We're just burning the note after the debt is paid. Forgiveness means forgiving the debt, not collecting, burning the note before the debt is paid. And that means giving up our pride, giving up our sense of justice and our sense of what is right. Being comfortable with who we are is essential if we're going to forgive people out of the love that God has forgiven us. I found it easy to forgive when I am at peace with myself. When I feel threatened or wronged or somehow less than I should be or I don't feel all that great about myself or about my life then I find it more difficult to forgive. I want to uphold justice in a sense of what is right. Part of that is to soothe my own sense of being wronged or hurt somehow. And I think the Pharisee might have felt this way. Like most of us, I'm guessing this Pharisee had varying degrees of doubt and hurt inside of him. And carrying those burdens, the Pharisee had a hard time forgiving. Carrying the burdens of self-doubt and hurt he had a strong need to uphold justice for this woman and uphold what was right. To be more complete himself, he feel he had to do what was right, to hold the woman accountable for her sins. No forgiveness until 
You've paid the last cent. Jesus, on the other hand, was totally okay with who he was. He was not burdened with self-doubt or hurt, and so he could forgive the woman. Unconcerned with making her pay her penalty, before she could be forgiven, Jesus saw a woman who was hurting. Jesus saw a woman who was in pain, probably from others and from her own poor choices, her own sins, and he decided to ease her pain by forgiving her sins. Well, when we, like Jesus, are content with life as it is, at least I find we can more readily forgive. When we have no need to feel strong, we can forgive. Forgiveness is, after all, really a, an act of weakness. If we hold something over someone's head, not forgiving them, there is some power that we have over that person. Forgiving that person is to give up that power. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9-10, through 10, The Lord said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. Content with our own weakness, we can more readily forgive others out of love for others. Giving up our power and our strength is the way of God. And forgiving others is the way of God. The way of Jesus to forgive out of love rather than hold on to the wrong and hold on to being right. The forgiveness of someone's wrong may not be deserved, but that's God's way to forgive. And notice also the result of forgiveness. She loved Jesus greatly, having been forgiven much. Therefore I tell you, Jesus said, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence she has shown great love. When someone acknowledges their sins and that person's sins are forgiven, the result is love. We love because of kindness shown and we want to give some of that same kindness to others. So then do we have to build up a huge store of bad deeds so that we can be forgiven an awful lot in order to love God a whole lot? Do we have to sin a lot to love God more? That's a great gospel for the day, huh? If we live a wholesome life honoring God and honoring each other in our actions, we're going to love God less because we won't have been forgiven as much. I don't think that's really the message Jesus is saying here. By not feeling as strongly the gratitude from having been forgiven much, do we have to love God less? Maybe, but I don't think so. I don't think the lesson is go and sin a whole big darn lot so that when you're done, you can repent and you can really love God. We can also love God purely for the beauty of who God is. We don't have to hate ourselves first in order to love God. We do, however, need to be able to look at ourselves honestly. We do need to be able to acknowledge our faults. And in doing so, we can then become a little more comfortable with who we are. We may not like all of who we are, but by acknowledging our faults, we can accept God's forgiveness, love God more, and be content with who we are, scars and all. Accepting our own weakness, we can trust more in God's strength. Accept God's forgiveness and love more fully. For God's grace is sufficient for us. 
His power is made perfect in weakness. So we will boast all the more gladly of our weakness, so that the power of Christ may dwell in us. For whenever we are weak, then he, then we are strong. Amen.